Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Lewis Hoke, CEO of UCO. Good morning, Lewis. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So, Lewis, for those that aren't familiar with UCO, can you give us just a quick overview of the company? Sure. So, UCO is traded on NASDAQ. Our symbol is USIO. Uh, we're fintech payment processor, and we process payments for companies all over the uh, United States and some parts of the uh, outside of the United States. There's four divisions to our company. Uh, the first one is ACH processing, where we initiate uh, direct debits and credits off savings and checkings accounts, and we do that for a variety of industries, including cryptocurrency, insurance, mortgage, utilities, uh, municipality tax payments, and various merchants, uh, including non-bank lenders. Uh, the second part of our business is, is prepaid card processing, where we're a true processor and program manager. And we issue cards, both physical and virtual, for a lot of different use cases, um, including uh, we're in over 200 municipalities, including seven of the the top 10, including New York and Los Angeles, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and, you know, 200 plus. And we issue disbursement cards for various reasons, um, most recently for COVID incentive programs, um, but they use it for a lot of different uh, use cases. Um, and it, also in that segment, we issue rewards cards for corporations, and uh, and we recently announced uh, prepaid program where we're issuing a card for Voyager Digital, which will settle in the cryptocurrency USDC, which is a stable coin. Um, and uh, Voyager has over 3 million uh, active users on their platform and we'll be providing cards to them. Third part of our business uh, is uh, payment facilitation, uh, where we do credit and debit card processing in an integrated fashion uh, for integrated software vendors. Uh, we only sell to companies, uh, to software vendors that provide software to specific industries. Um, so one of our customers is Practice Suite and they provide uh, software to uh, individual practitioners across the United States, over 20,000 of them that runs their software. And we're integrated with that software platform and that doctor processes the payments through that platform and then they originate through us. Um, and the fourth part of our business is, is print and mail. Uh, we only print first class mail, invoices, statements, taxing authority, uh, taxes notices, uh, utility payments, uh, things like that. Um, we're unique in the sense that we start out digitally. So every document is converted to a PDF, stored off in a database, and then can be subsequently delivered either electronically or through print and mail. And uh, we also, through that division, we print checks uh, for a lot of different corporations, including like AIG and Spectrum, T-Mobile, Verizon, uh, many different banks uh, for their disbursements as well. Okay. So that's a lot to unpack. They're all large markets, obviously. But in terms of the competitive landscape, um, can you touch on that? I, I imagine you're not the, the largest, but I want to see where you fit in and, and, and where you stand out, what your edge is. Yeah, well, we're not the largest. 
um, and every one of our divisions has a different set of customers. So let's answer that question kind of in a broad nature. Um, where uh, one of our biggest competitive advantages is that we have a strategy to be diverse, diverse in the industries that we serve, and diverse in the in payment channels that we offer. So a lot of our competitors are focused on a niche, and they have very few uh, niche industry, and that they have very few payment channels. Um, the strategy served us very well during COVID. Uh, we actually grew revenues in 2020 over 2019, where a lot of our competitors suffered huge uh, top-line hits because they were focused, you know, like in a restaurant industry or something like that, and they didn't have anything other industries to fall upon. Um, also, we're, you know, not the largest, but we, we deliver very quickly and we're nimble and we focus on the customer relationship. And because of that, we get a lot of referrals, um, including from the card associations. So those types of competitive advantages helped us grow uh, dramatically. And, and uh, we think we're well positioned for the future. So, so when you get referrals and you win business, it's, it's mainly on, on what? Is it service or price or what? It's, it's never price. It's, it's all about being able to deliver quick, uh, being able to do what you say you can do, and deliver a quality product. And, and that's, that's uh, why we win business. It's a lot with our technology as well. Um, like, for example, for prepaid, we one of the few companies that can actually push a card directly to your phone into your wallet without you requesting it. So that allows us to um, create unique promotions for our cor customer, uh, corporate clients um, and our municipalities that like to push cards directly to your, to your phone for disbursements. Okay. So you're targeting merchants, municipalities, and consumers, is that correct? Uh, we don't have any direct consumer business. Um, all of our customers are either government entities or some type of business or charity. Okay. And are you agnostic in terms of uh, online versus brick and mortar? Uh, yes, we have we have both. And then how about partners um, or, or what channels are you reaching these customers through? Well, you know, um, we own all of our own technology. Um, and so we have various banking partners, and of course we partner with the card associations. Uh, very tightly integrated with MasterCard, and they refer us deals uh, again because we execute and, and deliver in a quality manner. Um, but uh, broad partners, we don't have any. Okay. To talk and about. You, you mentioned crypto. Can you touch on that a little bit more? Sure. We do a lot in crypto space. Um, one of the one of our customers that a lot of people know is Voyager Digital, which is one of the fastest growing crypto exchanges. Um, and they have over 3 million active users on their platform. We're their exclusive payment provider, uh, and we move all the money in and out of their platform. So if you're going to make a deposit into your Voyager account, we're uh, drafting your checking account to put the money into your Voyager account. Um, and, and this year, we're implementing a prepaid MasterCard uh, for for their customers to access uh, their funds directly out of their account by using a MasterCard anywhere it's accepted worldwide. So the the four areas, what's the the revenue breakdown, and and what's your 
your biggest area and what's your fastest growing area? So our two fastest growing uh, divisions are prepaid and payment facilitation. And, you know, every one of our divisions is growing very rapidly. Um, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about our financials here in a little bit, but uh, our largest contributor on the revenue side is, is payment facilitation or credit card processing. Um, our second largest is ACH. Um, our third largest is output, and our fourth is prepaid. Um, and but prepaid and payment facilitation are growing the fastest, and and uh, should have some great growth this year. And in terms of growth, um, is there any capacity? I, I don't know how to think of it in terms of capacity. Is there any um, hindrance there, or are you able to scale as much business as you can get? Well, we're also unique that we're a true cloud-based processor, um, and because of that, um, we can add capacity uh, pretty much at will. And uh, you know, so we we never really have any capacity issues when it comes to technology or processing. And, and then, how about your growth strategy? So um, we've been able to generate quite great organic growth. In fact, last year it was in the mid-50s uh, with our company growing uh, revenues by over 90%. In fact, it was 92% to be exact. And uh, from 2020 to 2021. Um, but our growth strategy is continue to focus uh, on generating organic growth, primarily through prepaid and through payment facilitation. Um, we do look at acquisitions um, but we're very, very picky about who we acquire. In fact, we've, we uh, average about one acquisition every two years. Um, when we do acquire a company, we want them to be able to meet certain uh, metrics, uh, but more importantly, we want them to be able to take care of themselves. Uh, you know, we're not going to take on somebody else's problem, but they also have to have strong synergies with what we do. Um, it could be an industry segment that we're not in. It can be a whole bunch of industry experts uh, for payments. Um, you know, it could be some technology that we're looking at building uh, that maybe we decide we want to buy versus build. So in, in terms of verticals, you, you said you're diversified. Are, are there any that you're heavy in, or are there, are there any new ones that you're targeting? We're pretty much in almost all industries you would, you would uh, uh, expect, um, but we really like... Uh, ones that are non-discretionary spending. So we, we kind of like the health care. We like mortgage. We like insurance. We like uh, uh, financial services that are non-bank related, um, utilities, um, tax payments, municipalities, uh, and those verticals. We do our best to stay out of retail. Um, it's highly competitive uh, and it's also subject to fluctuations in the economy and, you know, as we saw with COVID as well. And then how about size? Is there a certain economies of scale to this business or have you reached it already? We achieved scale last year. Um, and, and scale means that, you know, our, uh, our revenue and income is growing substantially faster than our expenses or SG&A. And uh, that happens in the payment processing business when you reach a certain size, and, and that occurred last year. And, you know, this 2021 was our 
fifth consecutive year of revenue growth. Um, and then, and of course, a big explosion occurred last year in our revenues where we grew, you know, 92% 2020 over 2021. Last year, we ended the year with $62 million in sales and the previous year was, was $32 million. So that'll give you an idea of the order of magnitude. And this year should be another strong year for us. Well, I normally don't go there, but I, I have to uh, this time. You know, the, this, the company's performed really well over the last year. It's all a record, I believe. And yet the stock is closer to the low than it is to the high. Is there anything specific you attribute that, or, or where's the disconnect? Well, maybe because we haven't done an interview with you, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, the real answer is, you know, the, the market is not great for microcaps right now. Um, sure. We're a company that's really performing, and, you know, we have a strong balance sheet. We have over $7 million in cash, which is great for our growth opportunities. Um, we're not, we don't have to raise funds. We're generating cash flow, positive cash flow, so we're adding to our cash, you know, every quarter. You know, we had a large fund sellout uh, for mandatory redemptions that, that didn't help our stock much. But um, other than that, it's just industry type of pressures, which really don't affect us. Like if COVID happened again in a big way, it really wouldn't hurt us. Um, you know, the economy with uh, inflation really doesn't hurt us. Uh, you know, it actually increases our revenues. And again, we're in a lot of industries that are non-discretionary spending. So we, we think we've kind of got lumped into that to that group. Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't be in that group. So. Yeah, no, it sounds like you should grow through the noise of a of a tough market if you keep on executing. Yeah, okay. we've done a great job executing. Just look at the history, and, you know, again, this is going to be another great year for us. Very good. Um, so let's talk about the, the revenue model. It, it's transactional. Can, can you give us a little color on it, how it works? Yeah, so uh, there's two important metrics to our company, um, and it revolves around uh, transactions processed and dollars processed. Uh, both are important because um, on some of our product bases, we get a click fee, so transactions are important. Some of our uh, business lines, we get a percentage of the dollars processed. So, so ideally, you want to see both go up, which they did last year. In fact, they both hit, hit records. Um, the total dollars processed for the year were up uh, 215% to $9.5 billion we processed last year. Um, transactions uh, were up 184%. And, and so we did a great job last year. Those are the two metrics that we, you know, we look at almost, you know, in some cases hourly, but we track them daily. So uh, gross margins, where are they and, and where should they be? Yes, yeah, so um, gross margins increased last year. Um, we finished the year at 25%, a little more than 25%, and we're comfortable with that number, uh, the range about 25% to 27% for this year. Okay. And then so when you take on new business, is there much cost in onboarding somebody? There's definitely not from a technology basis because, you know, we already have that built, um, you know, and, and then it's just, you know, people to on board, um, but there's really not much. And then how about, um, is there chargeback risk in this business? There is in one part of our business. 
and you know, and that only occurs if you know if the merchant goes away um, and are unable to pay their bills. We mitigate that risk by uh, keeping reserves on file um, that we get to keep for 180 days after the customer relationship is over. Um, but we have very, very little churn in our accounts. The, the accounts that we lose are usually occur from an M&A activity or they just simply go out of business. So what's the gating factor that inhibits further growth? <laughs> right now, the gating factor is, is that we have too much business and too much customers uh, to implement. In other words, too much business right now. Um, what we worry about is, is regulatory um, you know, what the government could decide uh, that, could pr- that would hurt our business in terms of regulating payments. Um, but, again, not worried about either of those. Um, and our company's been around 20-plus years, and we've been able to uh, successfully uh, maneuver through regulatory changes over those times. Um, but those are, those are the only things that we kind of focus on about worrying about growth. We have enough capital. Um, we don't need to raise, raise funds to grow, to grow. Okay. So what's driving all that business? What's driving our business is that we've been doing a great job in executing. Um, and, you know, and every time we add a customer, um, we, we add a reference, and, and the word's just getting out and out and out. Um, some parts of our business grow uh, in multiple ways, like payment facilitation has ability to grow three ways. Uh, we could add new integrated software vendors. That's one way. Those software vendors continue to add more clients on their software platform, and that, that grows. And then those customers continue to grow organically. So um, our payment facilitation uh, customer base uh, has ability to grow uh, on its own. Okay. And so as we monitor the company over the next 12 months, let's say, are there any catalysts or events that we should look for? You know, one of the biggest things that we have this year that's receiving a lot of visibility because of Voyager Digital is the launch of their prepaid program. Again, they have 3 million customers, and those 3 million customers all have balances in their account. Uh, You know, so as that prepaid program goes live, um, you know, it's a big revenue uh, increase for our company. Um, so that's a big milestone, and, and that should uh, start occurring here in the second quarter. Oh, okay. So that's not live yet with Voyager. It is live. It's just not on full rollout yet. Okay. The, so if you're familiar with that company, they're a big marketing machine, and when they turn it on, there'll be hundreds of thousands of customers that adopt their card program. And so they've started out first with uh, a rollout with just their executive team, and then very quickly they're about ready to roll it out to their, you know, top 100 clients. And then from there they'll go out to a broader base rollout. Uh, Voyager, it's their customer base, so they're controlling the rollout, um, but they want it to happen quickly. Gotcha. So you, you barely have penetration there in the numbers now. Is that correct? Yes, yes. We, we, don't, we don't have any major revenue associated with them, but the program is live and functional. So. Gotcha. So that should add nicely this year. Okay. Um, so before we go, is there anything that I failed to ask you or anything you want to leave us with? No, you've been very comprehensive, and I appreciate your time, and, and, and I hope that your 
listeners will take the time to look up UCO, USIO on NASDAQ and, and, and look at our great financial results. Again, our balance sheet is clean and we have a lot of cash. We're not raising cash. And no need to raise cash and, you know, we have like $100,000 in debt. So our balance sheet is about as clean as you can get. We have a very great customer base and great products, and, and it's going to be an exciting year for us in 2022. Sounds like you're well-positioned. So thanks, Lewis. I appreciate you sharing the story. Thanks, Jeff.